Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Many of us who have been in, in Asia who are not native to living in Asia have run up against cross-cultural communication issues. And increasingly, um, even uh, people who are uh, from who are Singaporeans or from this part of the world um, see that as we interact between East and West, there are always these sometimes missed opportunities to communicate in a clear way. We're going to bring on now Dr. Zuzana Tungli, who is the founder of Developing Global Leaders in Asia. She is the author of The Culture Key Between Asia and the West. Great to have you on, Zuzana. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me again. Well, I'm very glad to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. And this whole idea of of this journey between East and West and how we can communicate in a, in a better way, a more effective way. T- tell, us, uh, tell us the top line takeaway. How did you get interested in this topic and, and where are we in this cross-cultural communication landscape? Where to start? So basically, I got into this field uh, as a management and financial consultant because I used to work in Hungary and uh, a lot of foreigners came to our offices, you know, at that time from the US, Germany, UK mainly. And um, I realized uh, very soon um, on my own expense that it's not good enough if you're good at your technical skills or financial skills, but actually you really have to know the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, because maybe I just give you one example, which is a very hard um, learning for all of us that basically we were doing financial evaluations and, you know, in order to do a financial evaluation, you have to put in assumptions. Now imagine if the assumptions are wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was, I used to work for an accounting firm and it was our bread and butter business. And basically because the foreigners didn't know the Hungarian circumstances, what would work in the market and with the people there. Um, they actually produced some not very good reports at the beginning. So that's how I hmm. got into this field. Um, and then many, many, many things, of course, happened. Um, you also asked, where are we in the field? Uh, I think... Um, are we getting better at communicating uh, between um, cultures, East and West? I think um, the internet and uh, maybe the younger generations and the social media really helped because we are much more aware, at least on the surface, we notice that we are different, uh, but then we still don't know why we are different and how to bridge those gaps. So I think the judgments are still there because uh, very often we think that uh, some of the differences are because of the individual differences. You know, mm-hmm. that person happens to be arrogant or that person just wants to hide something, doesn't want to be honest <laughs> about something. And uh, that's not necessarily the case, but mm-hmm. we think it's the individual. So the organizational level or the cultural level of awareness, I would say, is getting better in the last year in Asia as well. Hmm. So what are maybe some of the examples you could give us? Your book is called The Culture Key Between Asia and the West. You know, it, put, put, us in, put us in that room, put us in the marketplace or in hmm. the office. What are some of these cultural right. differences or assumptions, to use your word, that you've seen and experienced over the years which affect business relationships? Hmm. Maybe I give you an example of a meeting and the product development project, because I think they are very, very different. And uh, for me, uh, and ho- hopefully for everybody, also fascinating. So imagine a meeting um, and um, there are just a couple of people who are dominating the conversation. But there are another four or five people as well who just don't say much. And then 
just imagine the ideas, what comes into people's mind, like why are these four or five people not saying anything after mm. they are in the meeting as well? And then all these assumptions and perceptions, maybe they are doing something, especially in this today's world, maybe they're actually doing something else. Uh, maybe they're not interested. Maybe they don't know what to say. Maybe they don't want to say anything. Perhaps they are unprofessional. So it really gets to really potentially very, very, very bad perceptions. But if you look from the cross-cultural perspective, then you could find out, okay, maybe there are different nationalities and I'm generalizing now big time. But you could say that, let's say there's an Australian and a Brit in the meeting. And then there is a Singaporean, I don't know, Chinese and a Japanese person then maybe the Asian people didn't speak up because um, there was a boss in the meeting, perhaps mm -hmm. who was the Australian, let's say. Maybe they didn't speak up because uh, they didn't quite agree with the subject. And uh, from the Asian perspective, and again, I'm generalizing, um, it's not right to say it out loud in a negative way that uh, you disagree. Or, which I actually find the most fascinating uh, cultural difference, is that we use uh, silence differently in our communication. Mm. And uh, let's give the Japanese as the extreme example. They actually have the biggest gaps in communication. So, uh, for example, even now between ourselves, a Japanese person couldn't just come in into the conversation because he or she would be uh, subconsciously, not even consciously, subconsciously waiting for that gap. Right. But that gap would never arrive. So that person would never actually have the chance to speak. Yeah, it's very interesting, Susanna. We're talking to uh, Dr. Susanna Tungli, the founder of Developing Global Leaders Asia, the author of The Culture Key Between Asia and the West. And from my own personal experience as an executive coach and as a journalist uh, in, the, in the coaching field, we, you know, if we're, we're doing a coaching session and you ask for input, generally speaking, a audiences in Asia will not put their hand up and start talking right away. If you call on them individually, no problem. People will speak. The same in press conferences. And Neil, you've been at many of them where uh, it's primarily a room of, of Asian journalists, whether it's Japan or Hong Kong or Singapore or wherever. During the press conference, nobody will ask any questions or a few questions. But after the press conference, everybody rushes up to the front to ask their questions individually. Uh, so there is there does seem to be a hesitancy at some level to stand out. Uh, to stand up and, and be spoken, whether or not there's a boss in the room. Uh, do you find that that is changing at all as there's more cross-cultural communication between West and East? And the question is, should it change, really, or how should it change? Mm -hmm. Because uh, I think uh, certainly in Singapore, but perhaps in whole Asia, more people are used to let's say the Westerners, so therefore uh, uh, people try or, or, or know that uh, they have to speak up unless uh, otherwise those perceptions will happen. But um, in my experience, actually, it, has, it isn't changing that much because the general cultural awareness, uh, as I said, on this uh, cultural organizational level is not quite there yet. Hmm. So therefore, I think... Um, uh, it's a very, very small percentage who is culturally aware. And, you know, I think um, we have to be careful because we can't just ask, uh, expect the Asians to suddenly speak up. Like for that Japanese person I talked about, but I could say also Singaporean, um, 
it's very tough actually just suddenly be a different person. Mm. Yeah, and, so and, and, I don't, and, actually, and don't mistake, I'm not saying that the West is automatically doing it the right way, mm. you know, and, and being more yeah, yeah. open in the way they converse. I guess what I'm getting at is more how do we, how do we blend these two the together to make sure that, yeah. that East and West, if I can put it broadly like that, are working well together. Maybe, maybe that's a better right. way to look at this scenario. Yes, so, so the number one step is always raising the awareness that there are cultural differences and uh, the cultural differences we just talked about. And then for some people and for some cultures, actually it's easier to adapt than the others. So I would actually say that probably it's easier for the Western person to adapt uh, some of the things. That, for example, what you just said, uh, Glenn, you know, if you ask people by the name, that's not very difficult to do and they will immediately uh, contribute. Or prepare the meeting in a much uh, more elaborate way or, you know, to accept that maybe after the meeting people will speak up and, um, and, and it's still okay. So I think uh, probably, you know, there's like a handful or 10 tips, which if both sides learn, then um, immediately the communication level will be more uh, effective and also happy. Yeah. One of the things that I'm fascinated by having lived here for 25 years now, and, and I've written about this myself quite extensively, Susanna, is looking at it from the Western perspective and the cultural differences and the language differences. Mm. You have no idea, or oh, I'm sure you do have an idea, you've written a book about it, <laughs> that how many meetings I've sat in with, I'll, I'll say this, quite loud, quite brash, quite fast-talking native speakers from Australia, mm. from New Zealand, from the US, from the UK, and they'll wonder why there was no real communication, no conversation. And you want to say to them, because they didn't understand you. <laughs> you spoke too fast. Mm. You spoke too colloquially. You used local metaphors and colloquialisms that don't mean anything to a Singaporean or Asian audience. Yeah. This is some, I do this for a living, so I know. You know I have to write jokes <laughs> and, and comments that are going to relate to an Asian audience. So yeah. I have, and I've seen this dozens of times, some very highly paid bosses and speakers, and they think sometimes that the Asian audience is not speaking up because they're shy, reticent, face-saving, all the usual cliches, mm. when sometimes you want to say, it could just be they didn't understand a word you just said. <laughs> speaking in your Texan or Glaswegian or Sydney or yeah. Melbourneian accent, they didn't understand. Or East yeah. London. Or, or East London. A word you just said. You know, and I think yeah. that's sometimes another thing that's lost between native speakers and yeah. sometimes non-native speakers in the workplace. Uh, absolutely. And uh, let's add Scottish and Irish, if I may, as well. Definitely. Um, as a non-native speaker. Um, no, no, absolutely. And, uh, and, and it is amazing how, as you say, successful leaders still don't realize that. But, you know, I, one of my favorite sentences is that people, I believe, are more ignorant than arrogant. Yeah. So mm. I am pretty sure that most of those successful leaders were never told that nobody understands the word. Because I would like to believe that, you know, if you and I are told that, please do speak a bit slower or do something because we don't get you, we would try our yeah. best. Sometimes we would still fall back to that fast pace, etc. but we would try. So I think raising the awareness, seriously, that's the absolutely most important thing because otherwise people, you know, if I don't know that I'm doing something wrong, I have no chance of changing. Um, so telling those people. Um, 
I would like to say though one thing that, um, and I do love languages. I studied languages and I'm still very interested in linguistics and all that. Um, I think very often we, uh, in the intercultural, so international business, we put it to the language. You know, I usually use these case studies and I always ask uh, all kinds of workshop participants, so why do you think there is this imbalance in participation in like meetings, etc.? Number one is always language. Mm. So there's a truth to it, but I think we also think uh, because we are aware that languages are different and not everybody speaks the language well, so therefore we say, okay, it's a language, but we are not aware of the cultural differences. Of course you are, and then the three of us, I hope we all are, but the majority of the leaders are not. So it's much easier to say, oh, it's language. Koreans, Japanese didn't say anything. Oh yes, of course we know that. Yeah. So, and, and I think we are accepting of people not speaking up much more. Uh, maybe I just say one more thing. I really don't like when people say that, you know, Asians will not speak up. Mm. It's not true. They will not speak up if you don't ask them their way. Yeah, I agree. 1,000%. I agree. Very good. Very good. Susanna, we have to leave it there, but thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Dr. Susanna Tungli, uh, the author of The Culture Key Between Asia and the West. Uh, your website is developinggloballeaders.com, and more information is about there is there about the, uh, the culture key, developinggloballeaders.com. Uh, appreciate you being with us today and hope you come back and talk to us again. Thanks very much. Have a good weekend. Bye. Thank you so much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.